The TSW Roundtable is a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Follow at SW Commonwealth on Twitter and take your first steps into a larger world. Welcome to episode two of the uh, TSW Roundtable. I am your host slash moderator, and I am very lucky because I get very spoiled. I can podcast with all sorts of different hosts and knights from around the Star Wars Commonwealth Network. So, coming at us all the way from New Mexico and the Skyhoppers podcast, here's our first co-host, Ash. You want to say hi to everybody, Ash? Hello, everybody. <laughs> Excellent. Well, welcome to the show. And our second. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, thanks for being on. And our second co-host, uh, all of, from uh, Tumbling Saber fame, uh, Kyle. You want to say hi to the good folks, Kyle? Hi, good folks. Yeah, there we go. All right. So, uh, you guys ready to meet uh, our knights for this evening? Yeah. I think so. All right. So, okay, our first night this evening from Newfoundland, Canada. It's Nathan Roberts. You want to say hi to everybody, Nathan? Hello there. Hello, welcome to the round table. Wait, wait, was that Nathan or was that Obi-Wan? <laughs> Nathan Wan. <laughs> Nathan Wan. I, I think it was a little James Arnold Taylor in there. Uh, our second night, coming also from the, the Great White North, uh, Carlos Candido. You want to say hi, Carlos? Hi, Carlos. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so everybody knows uh, uh, if it, anybody has this first time here in this show, this is how we're going to run it. We're going to ask the, our knights to see if they have a question. For the roundtable, and I think myself and Ash and Kyle and the other night will try to answer it best as we can, hopefully to their satisfaction. And it's really great because we actually get a nice back and forth instead of the MP3 mail-ins and, and voicemails. And once you ask that question, once it's out in either, you can't like, oh, that's not what I meant. Uh, it just, uh-oh. And, well. <laughs> so hopefully everything, uh, all the questions get answered uh, to everybody's satisfaction. So... Nathan, you want to start us off? What is your question for the roundtable? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's been a long-running joke for years and years that stormtroopers can't hit anything. Their aim is terrible. You know, it's it's a big ha-ha. There are memes galore about it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, how accurate do you guys think that is? Do you think it's fair? I mean, you know, after seeing Rogue One, we've seen plenty of uh, uh, stormtroopers cutting down rebel soldiers. Do you think it's warranted that they have this reputation of not being able to hit anything that they shoot at? Uh, Ash, you want to take a stab at this one? No, I don't think it's necessary. It's just kind of a joke, right? I mean, Indiana Jones villains are the same thing, or the, or the same way, right? I mean, they can't hit anything. It's just kind of a, a trope of that particular era of film. I mean, even, even still, action movies, the guy doesn't get shot when he clearly should. Um, and I also think it might have something to do with the fact that, like, maybe they can't hit anything because Leia and Luke are both Force-sensitive. And they might be able to, some, like, subconscious part of their brain can dodge the attacks. I mean, that's kind of always what, where I was thinking, why Luke never got shot with a, by, by a stormtrooper. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think it's more, I honestly think it's just a meme. It's kind of funny. Uh, and, you know, I have I have a T-shirt that says, like, oh, like Stormtrooper Academy School of Superior Marksmen. And I laughed. But I don't think it's like warranted to like say, well, Stormtroopers are a useless villain. But I mean, and again, what you said in, in Rogue One, they're shown to be, you know, actual competent soldiers. 
Right. You know, so I I don't think it's warranted at all, really. I think it's just kind of a joke, but I don't. Yeah. I don't. Well, Kyle, what do you think? Do you think they uh, any validity behind their lack of marksmanship, or well, when you think back to A New Hope, uh, Obi Wan introduces them to Luke as these lethal lunatics who slaughtered Jawas, and the blast points were too accurate. So apparently, they could shoot. And then there's this theory that um, on aboard the first Death Star when they couldn't hit the broadside of a barn when it comes to our heroes, oh, that was intentional. They were ordered not to hit them because they wanted them to escape so they could track them back to their base. Right. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know how much validity I put into that. Uh, but I'll, play, I'll just play along with it and say, oh, okay, that makes plenty of sense. I'll, I'll, I'll buy that for a dollar. Well, yeah. Then that... what was their excuse on Bespin? And what was their excuse <laughs> on Endor? Because they couldn't hit anything there either. Yes. <laughs> I think the Ewoks were just too intimidating that they were just so scared that they missed them. You know, it's like, I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> those yeah. Ewoks are vicious, man. <laughs> or they were trying not to hit them there because they couldn't deal with it. <laughs> they couldn't They're deal like, with oh, it. Too no, cute. Sh- They're too cute. Oh no, I've shot the little teddy bear. What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, I never really questioned it because I, I come from the era of GI Joe. And if you've ever watched an, an original episode of GI Joe, there's those, their, their own lasers or bullets or whatever you want to call them. They pass between their eyelashes and their fingers, and <laughs> they trace contours around their body, but they never actually hit anybody at all. I just find it hilarious. I don't. Car uh, Carlos, what do you think? Do you think is there anything behind any deliberate missing on their part, or? I think uh, honestly, it's hard to say deliberate. Uh, when we look at uh, the beginning of the clones, uh, when you look at let's say Attack of the Clones, they're coming out and they're they're fighting. Um, the the droid army, right. right? They're helping the Jedi's fight the, the droid army. There's something about the way that they're a little bit better than the droids because the droids were terrible as well. Right. So um, I don't know. I think it's just, I think th- there's something about that galaxy in particular that uh, does not make for 2020 vision. Right. Well, <laughs> also too, isn't it there? Um, forgive me if I'm wrong, but there is a difference between the clone army clone stormtroopers and the new generation of stormtroopers coming in the new hope, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, what's the difference? Explain the, the that. Clones were, the clones were decommissioned shortly after Revenge of the Sith and okay. then a, a volunteer army sprouted up in its place. Yeah, I, I've been no, reading no. Uh, Ahsoka, the Ahsoka novel, yeah. and uh, I just finished the chapter where she says that uh, the clones were being phased out, but she thought that this was a year after Revenge of the Sith or something like yeah. that. She said she thought they were being phased out, but there still might be some of the newer clones in the army, but they were being phased out. Well, they no, make, was, I, they make so reference to that. In, sorry, they make reference to that in the uh, the Force Awakens, don't they? Yeah, Ever? Kylo. Mm. Ky- yeah. Kylo Ren says, you know, well, maybe your men aren't good enough or whatever, and maybe we should just have used a clone army. Right. Uh, well, yeah, he said maybe uh, Supreme Leader Snoke should consider uh, using a clone army. Yeah, yeah, and, and exactly, and that's and that explains why Finn is Finn and he doesn't look like Boba Fett. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I, I, as a regular yeah. fan, what, am I supposed to know that they decommissioned them that early? Uh, com- like considering, uh, it, I, I don't know. Does it matter if they decommissioned them early though? Because I mean, it doesn't. Like you don't know what's underneath the helmet at that point, so it doesn't matter if they're a clone or they're not. And it's also implied that clones, you know, age really quickly. Like it's it's yeah. like what is it? Rebels after. Um, Revenge of the Sith. It's like 15, 16 years after Revenge of the Sith, something like that. And yeah. Rex, yeah, yeah. yeah Rex gro- looks the like the growth cycle is doubled or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And Rex and Wolf and Gregor look like old men. 
So that's probably why they decommissioned them, I'm thinking. Okay. Well, and the Kaminoans tell Obi-Wan in episode two, they say about, uh, about Bubba, they say he wanted a, a non-altered clone, no growth acceleration. Yeah, accelerator. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 So, may- well, maybe the clones are like genetically trained to be excellent marksmen. And then once they started recruiting, basically drafting off the streets of Coruscant, they can, you know, maybe that can explain the poor marksmanship in uh, The New Hope. But mm. then, again, once you get up to uh, The Force Awakens, you have like – these they're stolen as babies and kidnapped and trained their entire life to be soldiers. So it's it's kind of hard to believe. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that new hope area is the gray area between the volunteer the vo- the, vol- the voluntary draft and the the Force Awakens when they just start stealing kids. Well, yeah. maybe maybe you could argue that the um, the first order is a little bit more desperate in their training. They have to make them more competent soldiers. But by the time a new hope comes around, the empire is pretty you know. I don't they've know. Got, they've got their grip. Right. Yeah, they've got their grip. They've got their grip on the galaxy, right? So they don't need they don't need the super deadly like the death troopers, like Krennic's death troopers, which were kind of described as like stormtroopers who can hit their target. Right. Um, and they're even like they're going to show up. Th- I think Thrawn has a garrison of them as well. So they're so you can, I guess you could make the argument like they don't need the super deadly warriors. They just kind of need the the kind of barely competent, bumbling, you know, military contractor or something like that. I, I'm not really sure. Well, yeah. That's a great point. Also strength in numbers with the Empire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And again, once, yeah, they had exactly. the, once they had the Death Star, they really didn't care about anything. They were just like, yeah, we, we got it down. We don't need the Senate. We don't – we can do whatever we want. We just roll around the galaxy in this ball and we're bullies. It was a yeah. bit of arrogance from uh, from the Empire's uh, probably not being not – being, uh, pushed or uh you know challenged in any way for them to say you know what yeah we're nobody's touching us yep so yeah wasn't there a line like uh you know loyal soldiers are more efficient than than uh tactically bred soldiers or something like that than the clones like it was it was better to have a loyal army than than a tactically efficient army or something like that you know yeah, yeah, but, yeah. In, you, you're indoctrinating children. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you could say that the empire, their biggest downfall was their their cockiness, I guess, in a way. They didn't. They go down on Endor thinking that nothing's going to happen. They're just going to be able to, you know, build the second Death Star with a shield generator, and they don't expect that the little teddy bears are going to start skewering them with sticks and throwing rocks at them. You know. And I would be too. I mean, if I was the Empire, I'd probably be like, "Well, there's no way anybody can touch us. Look, we have a Death Star." Yeah. You know, so um, <laughs> it. Yeah, I think their, you know, their cockiness and their hubris was kind of their downfall. Well, didn't they? Did, I just, didn't they enslave uh, the Wookies on Tashik too? Yeah, they did. So maybe they're thinking, well, the. I mean, Ewoks and Endor, they can't be any worse than them. Like, <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> we took care of Chewbacca. How can we can we take care of Wicked? Like. Jeez. When you think about it, stormtroopers are probably trained for, you know, some are probably trained more for crowd control yeah, and exactly. keeping a yeah. docile uh, society down uh, or fighting an enemy that's at least compar- comparable to to a, a similar military, you know, like, like the Rebellion. Right. So when you throw someone like something like the Ewoks in that are totally, you know, incomparable to 
the stormtroopers, the Imperial Army. Right. Uh, it's not going to be something they're prepared for anyway. It's probably yeah, not, the, they've probably never been trained for that type of warfare, that type of type of creative combat. Yeah. Yeah, I think the and they also, I mean, you look at the Ewoks; they have a home field advantage, where yep. they they know the terrain and stuff, and you know these guys are just. Uh, it's like the it's like the Brits uh, wearing uh, you know during colonial times wearing their woolen tunics and stuff and uh, you know they're in India yeah like uh, it's like <laughs> there's no assimilation there you know like uh, the, yeah well the stormtroopers are in white armor yeah, yeah it's very <laughs> in the jungle. plastic impractical yeah. armor in a forest yeah exactly they, they don't stand out at all. Yeah. Well, let, well, let me run this past you then. If uh, okay, maybe like the clone, the clone army, the stormtroopers and the clone army were made for war, and then the when they had the involuntary draft and the New Hope before then, just to get the the stormtroopers from that era, maybe they were just like like military police or just just keeping the static status quo. They weren't they weren't made bred for all out combat. Type. You, I, does that make I any mean- sense? Yeah, I mean that totally makes sense. It would make sense. The clones are genetically, like they're it's in their genetic code to be warriors. It's they establish that in the Clone Wars lots lots of times. Right. How it's like it's in their code to be loyal to the Republic and to fight. But the but stormtroopers don't have that, and they wouldn't need it because they won the war. Yep. You know, so they'd only need like military police. Yeah. Who would just go up and like rough up, rough like in like the stormtroopers who were messing with people on Jeddah. You know, just push them into the wall. It's like show me your identification and stuff like that. Mm. Um. I imagine their training wouldn't be as robust as the clones was. Yeah. yeah, yeah you know, and, like, and, in a book like Lost Stars, they kind of went out of their – well, not out of their way, but uh, Claudia Gray did go to some length to highlight some of the training that these Imperial cadets go through, whether it's for, for to be a TIE fighter pilot or a regular grunt. And you know, it almost paints them in a competent light where you're like, oh, I, I wouldn't want to pick a fight with those guys. But then you see them on screen and you're like, yeah, where's the Benny Hill music? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please don't and, help. and I think Rex says in Rebels that some of the clone the retired clone troopers uh trained stormtroopers. Uh yeah. but I've got a feeling that that was probably more specialty type soldiers like what we've been seeing in the comics and the and the death troopers and those types of things. The rocket yeah. troopers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> rocket troopers. I, I gotta say, I do love the the new Death Troopers, just from purely aesthetically, I think they're really cool. Yes. Oh, they're <laughs> like so sh- cool. Shiny black Stormtroopers, like, they can't, it's, it, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I was obsessed was, with finding a six-inch Black Series one. I was mad I, over it. I literally have one, like, three feet away from me. <laughs> I, fa- I eventually found one, but I, I, I really had to drive around looking for it. I tried to I tried to hunt down the Ahsoka one for so long and I couldn't find it and I paid like in in like way too much money for it when I originally, when I eventually found it. Uh, I feel your pain. Yeah. <laughs> I find I find it funny how in Rogue One they they actually had the normal stormtroopers actually being able to hit hit their targets and the death troopers that they set up as these, you know, big badass <laughs> troopers you know, they set it up so that he couldn't even they couldn't even hit Chirrut <laughs> when he's walking out in the middle of an open space. To be Pretty fair, Chirrut to be fair, Chirrut is a force sensitive. Oh yes, least. but it was just mean, the, the optics of it was was funny. It was a funny <laughs> irony to it. Yeah. Well, yeah the last time we saw something force. like that was um uh, was it, what what episode of Rebels was that? Le- Legends of the Lasat where uh Agent Callus o- orders that 
Imperial cruiser to open fire on the ghost, yeah. but they're so yeah. close to that star cluster that the laser blasts are literally bending away from it. Right. And he, Callus's eyes open wide, like WTF? What is, what is going yeah. on here? <laughs> That's a great episode. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Awesome. So, uh, Nathan, um, has the roundtable success answered your question to your satisfaction, or are we just spinning our wheels? Are we still right back to where we were? I am satisfied. You are. I satisfied. will. I I will just say that I agree with the uh, the theory that Kyle floated. Uh, I've agreed with that for a long time. That they weren't intending to hit their targets on the Death Star, at least. Right. Uh, just based on Leia's line after they escape after the Tie Fighter battle, she says they let us escape. It was yep. too easy. And Han says easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, and also too, I think we can agree that you know, I mean there there is a distinct difference between the clone army being uh, a battle army and the the new stormtroopers being a military police. So yeah, maybe I guess in our head canyon that can explain. We can watch the movies and be like, okay, yeah, I, I'm I'm fine with that. I can swallow that. Yeah, it doesn't make I mean, up for the other movies, but for that in particular. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, <think it> works. <laughs> I mean, it's it's never been one of those things that I thought was particularly egregious, right? It was just no. like, oh, they're the bad guys. Of course they're going to miss. Just because I grew up on like Indiana Jones and stuff like that where the bad guys yeah. never hit anything. Well, to be, ever. to be fair, they hit plenty of background characters. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, and, and look, sorry, last thing. Yeah, of course. Uh, George Lucas kind of set the table for us in the 97 special editions where when he had Greedo miss from point blank range. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So from that point on, it should not surprise any of us if anybody could not hit a target whatsoever. Well, yeah. You know, uh, go ahead. Ash. You know what the you know what the sad thing about that is? I'm I'm 20, so I grew up on the special editions and I never knew there was another version of that scene until I was like 15 or 16. And right. I was like, "Wait, that one is way better." <laughs> I'll say something something controversial (laughs) and we don't have to go into it, but I will say I prefer Greedo shooting first. I mean, it's debatable. I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's so many like explanations for why it works when Greedo shoots first or why it doesn't work or whatever. It's like, it's one of those age old things that we will always be complaining about on the internet. You know, look, if you look at Texas or you look at, uh, I think in New Mexico as as well, there's a, there's a a law called uh, the stand your ground. Now, as soon as Greedo pulls his gun and puts it on Han, Han can shoot him at any time. That's my yep. opinion. So it's not murder. It's self-defense. Well, it, Ash, does Moe's Eisley, does, is there anything in New Mexico that re- resembles that hive of scum and villainy? Yes. Well, it's New Mexico yeah. and there's sand everywhere. Yes, there is sand, there is sand everywhere. And it is also rough and coarse and irritating and, and gets everywhere. Um, but I hate sand. <laughs> But there's also this thing called White Sands in New Mexico where you can go, like, sledding on, on hills. And it, it looks a lot like Tatooine. Oh, okay. And that's what I always thought when I was a kid. I was like, look, Dad, we're at Tatooine. <laughs> and he was like, okay, it's okay. Um, <laughs> Loser. <laughs> hey, Ash, isn't there a big salsa festival in, in New Mexico every year? Like a really spec- huge one? You're going to have to specify which one. There's, like, five. <laughs> there's oh, there's salsa. There's chili. There's barbecue cook-offs it's like yeah it's great i love living here <laughs> were you born there yeah it's uh, you're from the uh, from the area yeah yeah born and raised yeah that's like saying is, is there a smoked meat sandwich or a poutine <laughs> festival where you are kyle <laughs> uh every day the smoked every- meat and poutine festival actually you know what uh, our prime minister was actually at um the rest a restaurant smoking restaurant right down the road from me and oh. uh, 
this this is how I like to stretch the truth. So if if we consider Montreal to have the best smoked meat in Canada, okay, hands down. How about how about hands you has down. the best Montreal smoked meat? Okay, okay. No, so <laughs> go ahead. I stretch so that too. Nice. If we have the best smoked meat in Canada, and nobody else really serves it, we have this best smoked meat in the world. Therefore. Right, and so the best smoke, the best Montreal smoked wheat, meat, wheat, <laughs> meat. Sorry, <laughs> smoked wheat is probably a different thing, and you may want to talk to the guys in Vancouver about that one. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Just, just me. You, um, you gotta, you gotta make it down to the states, man. We have the best, we have the best barbecue. Texas, North Carolina, it's amazing. Yeah, that, it it hurts me a lot that I haven't been down there for Missouri. that. Missouri, Missouri, yes. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So, 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 Kyle. I'm now. Now you got me hooked. If okay, we're gonna we're going along with the premise. Montreal is the best smoked meat. So, no, I, 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 it's it's not a premise. Okay, it, it's just a well known. No, okay, Come yeah, on, sure. Let, let's I'll, be I'll, I'll, Okay, I'll give it to you. Okay, let me jump in here. <laughs> let me jump in here. Okay, the, the only other people who say they have the best smoked meat are New Yorkers. Oh yeah, and no. what they serve they're the liars though. And it's <laughs> not can't the same they. thing. It's it's like a dark brown compared to like the the beautiful rosé of the smoked meat. Cannot compare. No comparison. No. Hands down. Montreal. Discussion over. All right. So, <laughs> J, so JT was enjoying a smoked meat sandwich from a block away away from you, or yeah, like a five minute drive from here. Oh, nice. Well, there you go. <laughs> if you're if you're a JT fan, if you are a JT fan, <laughs> see like see everybody comes down to New Mexico for the Mexican food. I mean, there's a restaurant right down the road that Bill Clinton's been to like five times. Well, um, come on, and, yeah, <laughs> it's Bill. Anybody besides Bill Clinton? I mean, he's been everywhere. I think he's no, I mean, no, I mean, there's been like actors and other stuff like that. It's really good Mexican food, I will say. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, but like he's this, vegan, so he has to go everywhere to try to find food. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> okay, well that ends the food portion of uh, the the round table. That's Bill that's Bill Clinton's excuse. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. honey. I needed to find a place to eat. I did not have <laughs> sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> oh, Bill, there you go. I are. did not eat red meat. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. There was like 40 other people I could have used in that example, but Bill Clinton was the first one that came to mind because yeah. when you walk in that restaurant, there's like six photos of Bill Clinton shaking the owner's hand. Well, and it was perfect. Well yes. placed. And you're, and you're probably thinking, uh, the, all these Canadians, uh, who will they recognize? Oh, right, right, yes, Bill, yes. He was in the news. <laughs> okay, well, let's try to get back on track here. Um, so if your question is completely answered to your satisfaction, Nathan, we'll move on to Carlos. Do you have uh, anything for the roundtable to discuss this evening? I have a, you know, The Last Jedi, we, we just got the... Um, the news that the the title of episode eight is going to be the last Jedi, and um, do you think they came to that conclusion rather quickly after uh, Carrie Fisher passing? Like, do you think that had anything to do with it? Um, because in theory, she could have become a Jedi. So no, she couldn't. <laughs> Sorry. She, she couldn't have become a Jedi. Is that what you're I saying? I don't. I do not subscribe to the idea that Leia should ever be a Jedi. No, no, no. She could yeah. be. She chooses not to be. Right or wrong? Theoretically, yeah, hypothetically, yes. Okay. But I don't okay. think she'd ever. I don't think she'd ever make the choice. Okay. Uh, I don't think they were going to do that. Yeah. No. And, and, okay. So, so more towards the, the question because we lost Carrie Fisher and now Princess Leia is now going to be obviously phased out somehow or however they deal with it. Do you think that? 
influence the title of the episode eight? That's my question, pretty much. My understanding is that uh, Ryan Johnson had that title in his back pocket almost from the beginning. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Mark Hamill just did an interview where he said that he's known that title for a long time, I think. For episode eight and not episode nine? Yeah. Mm. That's that's what I'm getting at. I think that maybe there's there was a little shuffling happening. Moving Uh, things along, yeah. Possibly. he, he, He didn't specify that, but I don't know if he would have. I don't, I really don't think it had any, I mean, I mean, because Leia's not a Jedi, right? Right. I, I, or was ever, I don't think they were ever going to make her a Jedi, had any plans. Maybe she would have used the force briefly, but she was always more like, uh, what is the word? Like, I'm not, she was like, she could, she used the force, empathic, thank you, yeah. So she could, she could use the force to like sense other people's emotions. You see in Shattered Empire, she can, she touches, she touches something and she's, or she's in a place and she gets a vision of Darth Maul and stuff like that. Um, I don't think she ever would have been a Jedi. And I think the story, the story was never going to focus on her. I think it was always going to be about Luke and Rey. Right. Um, So I, I, I really don't think that it would have changed anything with Carrie Fisher's passing. Well, also too, I think, I think more to Carlos's question, like with, with, um, with Carrie Fisher actually passing. And now we know that princess Leia's arc is probably going to end. We, the last Jedi that answers the question, Oh, well, no, he's our last hope. No, there is another. And now officially we can say, no, there won't be another. Like, even though like she would never ever eventually become a Jedi, as we knew that in return of the Jedi, we still knew there's no way she's grabbing a lightsaber and, and taking that mantle. Um, Unless you look at the old expanded universe, in yeah. which she does become a Jedi, and I hated it, but yes. <laughs> that's besides the point. Well, and they kind of closed that book. Uh, I, I, you know what? I keep having to reference the the new canon, like novels and comics, and yeah, that's cool for the people that that put aside the time and money to read it. But for everybody else who don't want to do that, and I, I don't blame anybody who doesn't uh, swallow all that stuff. Uh, you you miss out on those answers, right? Because they they kind of close the book on Leia as even a potential Jedi. In I don't know if it's aftermath. Um, it's in Life Dead, I believe. It's, it's Life Dead, eh? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Oh. So yeah, she she just yeah. They, I think they spell it out that she she chose politics. She chose her duty to the galaxy in that regard. And uh, even though she kind of picked up a few things from Luke here and there, it was that was enough for her, and she just really didn't even want to become a Jedi. Well, it wasn't her path. It was, you know, I mean, it's like, uh, what's that old saying there? You have two kids, one one for the cloth, you know, the one for the army, one for mm-hmm. the armor. You mean, like, it was almost like Leia was the armor and, and Luke was the cloth. Like, he was following that, you mean, the Jedi dogma. Like, he was following that that path, I guess. And I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, even in that scene in Jedi that you referenced where he says there is another, I don't know if that necessarily means he necessarily had to mean that she would go about things the same way that Luke would have. He could have been talking about her as um, or in in the context of her being a rebellion leader. Right. You know, if if Luke fails at this, then, well, we do have a plan B and that's that the rebellion can actually succeed as hard as it would be without Luke. Um, yeah, but Obi-Wan kind of makes it clear when he says that boy was our only hope. Like, I, well, I, I mean, the rebellion existed before Luke. 
well, yeah. okay, you know what I mean? Well, let, let's rephrase this. Okay, maybe they know they know there's the Emperor, they know there's Vader, and they know maybe in their back pocket, their trump card, the only way to make Vader turn on the Emperor, if there is a chance, is the Padawan, or uh, Padme's child. Like, so they know that Luke, oh, he's our only hope because he's his son. He, he's, <laughs> nobody else is going to talk Vader into turning against the Emperor, but maybe his son might, and now... Oh, if Luke goes off and dies, well, maybe, maybe his daughter can. Like, not speaking that, ignoring the Force, ignoring the rebellion, ignoring everything else. Do you understand what I'm kind of yeah. getting at? Yeah. That the the power, the influence of having your child say, "Come on, Dad," like, let's yeah, enough yeah. of this, like you know. Because and, uh, because and up it, to that point, uh, Luke was the only one that Vader knew about, the only child that he knew about. He exactly. didn't know that Leia was was his child at that point. And, and it's really, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Ash. Sorry, and it's really not the Force or Luke Skywalker's power that saves Vader. It's the fact that he's his son. So that exactly. would make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I mean, it's when he throws down his lightsaber and and says he's not going to fight, and then gets shocked by the Emperor. Yeah. That's what snaps Vader out of it. It wasn't him being a super powerful badass with a lightsaber, you know. Yeah, and on um, the flip side, that's just exactly what Vader was doing to try to turn Luke was saying, "Oh, there is another." You mean, if I can't get you, I'll just get your sister. And that just, he snaps all his crayons and away they go, right? (laughs) The the wires touch and it's game time. (laughs) Exactly. But I I don't know if this is true or not. Um, The idea that a force ghost can only appear to somebody that they have a relationship with. So who would, like, if, if say Luke turns and, and joins Vader on the dark side and they were, let's say they were referencing Leia as the other, the other potential Jedi that could reel it all back in. How would they, how would Leia have been recruited and, and cultivated as a Jedi? Mm-hmm. Like who would have appeared like Obi-Wan and Yoda never met Leia except for when she was first born. And I don't know if that's uh, enough of a quote unquote connection to then be able to appear to her and say, we need you to do this. Right. There would have been no one left to train her. Or yeah. tell, or even tell her, or actually, what's uh, her uh, her adopted father? Bail Organa. So, Bail Organa. Um, maybe he could have told her, but okay, I know he was on all. He planned to, but maybe maybe because we saw him with the rebels in Rogue One around the battle on Yavin Four. Maybe maybe he wasn't on Alderaan when it blew up, so maybe he could have told Leia. In 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 Bloodline, it was established that Bail Organa was on all the Roman. It blew up for one thing, and the other thing is that oh. he he planned he, <laughs> he yeah he's gone. Sorry, um, he's space dust. <laughs> yeah, but it, but also in Bloodline, one of the things the catalyst in Bloodline, I don't know if you've read it, is that everybody finds out that Vader is Leia's father. Okay. So how they figure this out is there's this music box that has a recording from Bail Organa, uh, and it says, you know, Vader's your father, and I hope one day I will be able to take you to Tatooine. And tell you about, and we'll meet your brother and Obi Wan Kenobi, and we'll be able to stop him. So I think Baylor got always planned to tell her. Yeah, yeah. That, that lady Carice, what a. <laughs> 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 um, what's what's but, his name? What's his name? Rack. What's his, the 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 jerk in Bloodline whose name escapes me? Uh, starts uh, with a C. Uh, 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 Ransom Caster 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 Ransom Casterfo. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but but. To be fair, Return of the Jedi is kind of one of those Raiders situations where Luke really wasn't responsible for necessarily responsible for destroying uh, the Emperor or 
achieving the victory. Really, it was Leia and the rest of the rebels. If they had just succeeded without Luke um, having gone to the Death Star at all, really, things would have turned out the same way. The Death Star would have blown up with Vader and Palpatine on board. Yeah. And Well, I think, too, uh, Luke, Luke's sacrifice was Vader knows I'm here. He knows where I am. They won't stop looking for me. And if they find True. me, they're going to find you. So I'm going to give myself up. You guys go ahead and blow up the Death Star with me and Vader True. and Emperor on it. Now, yeah. exactly, your point's correct. Like, the Rebels would have won if... Either yeah, way. Same, same outcome either If all way. three of them died when, when Lando blew the thing up. But, spoilers, he blew it up. Anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> spoilers for a movie that came out 30 years yeah. ago. Um, <laughs> On a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so anyway, yeah. But I think for us as the viewer, the only thing is that gives us that Vader's redemption. That gives us closure. That yeah, bookends that's, the whole. that's Luke's victory. Is his redemption right? But I don't. I don't think Luke's intention was to kill the Emperor or Vader. Luke makes it abundantly clear from the start that his mission, his goal, is like, okay, you guys blow up the shield generator, and then the the. The team yeah. in the sky will go take out the Death Star, but I have to say, I have to see if I can save my father. Yep. You know. Yeah. I would say okay. So um, back. Uh, let's uh, let me try to circle this back around. Um, with Carrie Fisher not being with us, did, <laughs> and now back to the original question: Did that influence the title? Probably not, right? I'm. I don't know. Around the table, what do you think? I, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Nathan? No, I, I think I think that title has been around for quite some time for Episode Eight. I'm not sure if it was honestly, and in, in my point of view, I don't think it was around for episode eight. Uh, I think it was around, uh, and they probably uh, had that in their back pocket for episode nine. But um, I, go ahead. Oh, I have to. I just kind of. I just that's because each each movie is being direct is being directed by a different director. So if Ryan Johnson specifically said he had that title, I believe it's intended for episode eight and was always intended for that's that film. Point. That yeah, is a that's good just, point. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, huh? I don't, I don't know who's directing episode nine, but it's not Ryan Johnson. So, Trevor. Colin, Colin Trevorrow. Yes, thank you. Is is Ryan Johnson writing episode nine, and Colin I, Tre- Trevorrow is directing it? Yeah, he's producing he or writing, writing. something like that. And J- I know J.J. Abrams is producing all of them as well. Yeah, executive producing. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that means, right? It Whatever means that means. It means he has money and could give his opinion. Yeah. yeah. Well, I he's guess he's pretty much fi- helping finance, and yeah, I, I'm sure too. He was he's been at the 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 writing table and and the the at least the general outline of the trilogy. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna see a bad robot credit. Oh yeah, yes, those movies. Yes. Sure. All right, awesome. Now, if I can, I don't yeah, know if, uh, if we have time here. Oh, we got lots uh, of time. This it kind of uh, brings me to. See a little trick. See, I think Corey would be proud of me right now, Kyle. Oh, you got, like a little loophole. You're gonna loophole this. Yeah. Oh, gonna, here I'm we go. Loophole. Oh, you're literally so gonna to basically. Here we go. Basically. Basically, uh, literally. What it is is. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Um, it comes back to uh, Leia and and her story. Uh, now, uh, people are coming, you know, uh, I've listened to the Tumbling Saber, I've listened to uh, Gen X-Wing and and, uh, and the Skyhoppers, all you guys, um, and mostly uh, talk Star Wars about um, what's Leia, uh, what are they going to do with Leia's character going beyond uh, Episode 8? And um, I think Mark 
had a good point uh, by saying that whatever they filmed so far, they could stretch it out over two movies. Right. As opposed to ending her cycle after this movie. Okay. Um, and others uh, talked about recasting. Uh, oh, there, man. there was an actress. There was an actress on Stranger Things. I think James was saying um, that uh, could could potentially play Leia. Uh, that would be a much younger Leia, though. Uh, like um, a- oh yeah, yeah, exactly. But just the the idea of recasting. Um, but then when you take it also to the CGI, everybody's like, oh, I'm not sure about the CGI. Uh, for me, I'd rather have her on a ship that just goes. Well, exactly. And, and to, to that point, Carlos, I was going to mention, I knew we were going to step on this today. But um, to mention with Carrie, with her, if she's on a ship and we hear the transmission break up and the ship's blown up. Yeah, everything she's done is 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 been filmed already. Everything that everybody up. The film is basically done and it's in the can, but maybe they, when they go back for reshoots, they can go back and get reaction shots from, you mean, so if you, if you had Ray and Chewbacca in the Millennium Falcon, you knew Leia was on another ship, that ship blows up, you can actually, okay, now we have to retool something and say, okay, let's get Ray and Chewbacca's reaction to Leia blowing up. Like, they won't, you won't have Carrie Fisher's death scene on on screen like as like as her acting it but you can actually you still have all the other players you can record the reactions yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sorry go ahead yeah i think that's i think that's the the most respectful way they can handle it i really don't want them to try and push it out in episode nine and kind of do like cg scenes or whatever partially because it just makes me a little uneasy with the cg scenes in general yeah um if the actor is deceased, like I felt, it felt kind of weird in Rogue One when I saw Peter Cushing. I'm like, wait, he couldn't say whether this was cool or not. Like it was cool from the perspective of, oh, look, it's Tarkin. But at the same time, I mean, honestly, I think Carrie Fisher would be cool with it because apparently when she saw Rogue One, when they digitally recreated her, she like burst into tears and was super happy with it. Yeah, and also too, Car- Carrie Fisher has been on record saying, um, Princess Leia. Yeah, that's Princess Leia is her. Is Carrie Fisher, mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher person, but she's also the custodian of that character. She said that time and time again in every documentary you watch, she, you'll hear her out of those that sentence. So she was well aware that she is, yes, she was the, the first one to do it, but she knows she is the custodian of this character. So I think as far as Carrie is concerned, she would be flattered with CGI, she'd be flattered with whatever the way they do it, but it's it's obviously she's not with us so it's the fans that's disney's gonna worry about the reaction um yeah and did anybody catch did anybody catch um bright lights the hbo documentary yep yes i did no not yet no did did you get the the impression uh ash it was specifically when it came to the whole i'm the custodian of leia and and um her going out and meeting fans, doing cons. Like I, I got the impression that it was really taxing on her and it exhausted her and it, it made her anxious. But she did it because you know, she, she cares. She cares about the fans. She cares about the character and her legacy as the character. Uh, but I, I got the impression that if she could share that burden – with somebody, she would exactly. And but that, that's um, what that's that was my point. Like with with what you exactly what you said, Kyle. With the, her saying she's a custodian, that means like she is just the caretaker of this character. Yeah, I I yeah. I, I think she. I don't think she would have a problem if she had to be. Re, I don't like recast is sort of a, a a scary word for us all. And let's be let's be frank. Nobody wants to be in this situation. Not the fans, especially not Lucasfilm, not her family. This sucks. Well, yeah. and that's the but thing. The somebody's going to have to make a hard a call. Lot, 
the unfortunate thing is that a lot of that burden now shifts to her family, her family and her friends, you know, like a lot of that burden shifts to Billy in a lot of ways. Yeah. She has to kind of carry that in a sense, right? She has to make a lot of these decisions going forward. You know, she's got to be in discussion with Lucasfilm about what they do. Right. It's it's not an easy situation for anyone. And, and, by and any all, also, also too, Nathan, I, I was thinking like as a knee jerk reaction when we lost Carrie Fisher, it was a loss. And then in the back of everybody's mind, especially we're literally on a fan show of a fan show mm-hmm. for a franchise. <laughs> like so, uh, everybody thinks, "Oh my God, what's the saga? What's going to happen?" And it, it's it's yeah. it's a, and we feel guilty and we feel yeah. awful for thinking it or even uttering it, but. And and if any tragedy happens, whether you lose a parent or, or or a favorite uncle or anybody in your life or your dog, the first thing you think of is what am I going to do? Yeah. And it doesn't. It's and it's a knee jerk reaction. And it's the same thing when we lose somebody like this. What's going to happen with my saga? Because obviously it means a lot. You mean so that you get over it and you're like, yeah, no, there's a bigger picture. And but yeah. it's okay to feel that right off mm-hmm. the bat. And and. It, nobody should feel guilty for feeling that. Of course, if yeah. you go on on social media and rant about, oh, what am I going to do? Like, no, no, okay, just relax, just deal with it on your own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what no. I mean? So it's it's completely natural for everybody to be worrying about, oh, what's going to? Because that's that that is the natural knee jerk reaction a human has to a loss, whether yeah. as strange as it may seem, like it's. Yeah, yeah and the, but the, even, the even from a legal sense, right? It's something to be considered. Yeah. Right. Oh, and then and when, I mean, they, when they signed that three pitcher deal, like he was, like they were saying with the insurance, they're they're getting mm-hmm. like obviously this was, especially at their age, this was written yeah. into their contract. Like, yeah, yeah. Let's be honest. Luke almost died. I mean, uh, Mark Hamill almost died after uh, episode four. Yep. So yeah, he got yeah. a motorcycle accident. Yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, I completely, stuff happens. I completely agree with you, Rob. I mean, I th- or I think you know that it. Every, I think everybody had that knee-jerk reaction when we heard about Carrie Fisher. It was like, oh, what's going to happen? Yep. Um, and honestly, I think – honestly, from everything that I've heard Carrie Fisher say, I've read all – I've read every single book she's ever written, uh, all of her autobiographies and stuff like that. And I think she would want Carrie uh, – Carrie <laughs> – Leia, sorry. I think it, she would want – person. <laughs> it's become that in my mind. Well, Carrie Fisher kind of treated it like that as well, which yeah, is – That's uh, what makes it so hard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And But I think she would want the character to go out with a bang. You know, and if that means CGI, then I can get over my slight uneasiness with um, recreating characters. Because I think honestly, she would just she'd give a crap about how that character arc would end. You know. Yes. Well, I I actually had an idea of how they could do it, and again, this is a very specific fan idea, but it was something similar to this. I think would be really respectful and really, um, if they did it right, could they could pull it off. If you did the whole death thing, you know, off-screen death, uh, whether it was a ship blowing up or whatever, but then you had a hologram message, kind of like Galen in Rogue One, where it was a CGI Leia as a hologram, a message in case of my death type thing, where she's uh, handing off uh, the leadership to, say, Poe Dameron or someone else. You could have that in Episode Nine. Um, maybe, maybe Billy would even, maybe Billy would perform it, you know, who knows? This is three years out. 
Well, you also know, too, I think I think you're onto something there because with a hologram, they don't, and with the shimmering hologram, they don't have to be perfect with the CGI. Right, you can, there's there's, yeah. there's room for for exactly. play there. It doesn't as have long, it's, it's a so bit more forgiving. As you just hit that one right out of the park. That was like yep. exactly the the yep. perfect way to do it. Yep. Yeah. No, as, lo- I, as long I, as it's I not a Tashi Yar season one next generation Star Trek <laughs> hologram <laughs> message at her funeral. I'll please know like. <laughs> As long as yeah. it's no, not but, and like, you can even have the voice shuddering at, at points where maybe maybe the performer didn't quite get it right. You know, you can have a little perfect or something, right? And to, and to my rotten son, I bequeath my collection of Alderanian <laughs> jams and jellies. <laughs> so I think the fun. I think one of the funniest. I think one of the funniest things. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. Go, go ahead, ahead, Carlos. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, just just hitting on what Kyle just said. I have to give big props to at chop rules for his jalapeno jelly that he gave me uh, oh. when we went to watch. <laughs> I thought you were going to get uh, big props to Nathan for his awesome. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Corey, thank you. Beautiful. I love that. I spread that on toast. You may continue. All right. No, I was just going to say, I think one of the funniest things Carrie Fisher ever said was somebody was asking her about Kylo Ren and she just went, my little Hitler. And I just <laughs> died. Like it was, it was like, Oh my gosh, she's Leia. Well, that's one of the things, right? Uh, by, by the rumor mill, there's two big things that are going to happen with Leia. One is a reunion with Kylo, and the other is a reunion with Luke. In what order, we don't know. But to me, those two things still have to happen. You, They have to find a way to get those on screen. And it, well, we, no matter we what they do, fans will be split. We saw a picture of them on set, right? Uh, you're right. They were, they were, that was in Ireland, right? Yeah. yeah, so they were on the same set at the same time in costume. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a great I, point. And they did film it, f- finish. Sorry, they did finish principal photography of Episode Eight before she passed away, and I can't imagine them not including that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, yeah. Okay. So yeah. I think we. I think Nathan nailed it. We can have a react. We can have a we, we, the idea. Uh, who brought it up? The idea of the ship blowing up. Um, we can we, we can go back and post, and we can get uh, the the rest of the cast reaction to. Oh my God! The ship blew up. And then again, Nathan with his hologram idea—it's perfect. The CIG, the CGI can be flawed. It makes and of course with Carrie Fisher, how she explains how she recorded that original hologram in New Hope, how they had to record it from angle from different angle by angle by angle mm-hmm. by angle, and she knew that speech like it would just it would be fitting. It would kind of bookend it all. And yeah, yeah. There we go. It's solved. Yeah. Done. <laughs> <laughs> let's hope they I, let's hope they treat it with respect is the only yeah, thing i can't exactly. imagine i can't imagine that they won't um yeah. but yeah that's all i'm concerned about really well it just goes to show that i could have that idea you know out for a walk you know just you know having this stuff running through my head i could come up with a decent idea these guys are the brain trust these guys are the ones who are really the custodians of the whole story right. they can come up with something that's well done that's respectful and that we can all appreciate it. Absolutely. But the fact that you're, you're able to take that walk and you're removed from the situation and not mm-hmm. uh, personally invested, maybe, you know, they have a, they're having a harder time coming around, uh, you know, deciding on a certain type of idea or, you know, it, it's, I think there's a lot to be said for uh, being outside of that bubble 
Um, yeah, I they mean, definitely have more to consider. They have legalities yeah. and and relations and PR and family yeah. relations. But and all they that also stuff. they also know the story arc too, so they know. Yes, we 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 are going literally just off. We know she's filmed something, and we yeah. know how TF the Force Awakens ended. So that's and we're thinking yeah. that episode eight is going to be dark. Maybe she dies at the end anyway. Maybe you know. I mean, rumors are she had a bigger role in Nine. Right. We don't know what that role was. It could have been, you know, flashbacks. Yeah, but that's, that's like Harrison Ford. He signed for all three. And yeah. is he coming back? Right. You mean, like he they, might. He they, might. They can't. Exactly. But that. But that's what I mean. So we can't. We can't take anything out of the legal office and take it as a etch it in stone, saying, "Oh, they're all back because they have to." Well, I mean. Sign. I mean, Felicity Jones and Diego Luna had a three-picture deal with Lucasfilm as well, yeah. and they're dead. Like, <laughs> they got blown up by a Death Star. I'm sorry. There's no well, there's no coming back from that. Um, and we, we've never had flashbacks, per se, in saga movies before, but we have had people call it forcebacks, but visions of the past, you know, in Force Awakens. Yeah. So, you know, there could be things that happened with... Han Solo, that are relevant to the plot going forward, that a character has to see, that Ray has to see, or even maybe Kylo has to see. They have a vision of the past. Maybe Han Solo's in it. You know, yeah. who knows? Yeah, there were maybe. there were rumors floating around that that was actually a possibility. I'm not sure how credible that actually is, but yeah, just the flashbacks yeah. thing in there flashbacks thing in general. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think I think we tackled that question too. Uh, we got a little bit of time. Can I just want to add one more thing? I was watching uh, New Hope, and I was watching, of course, the trench run. And Luke Skywalker shoots torpedoes go in, and I think Rogue One for me, anyway, um, set up like when Luke exhales when he oh oh my god like, like you when he actually after he fires torpedoes that one tiny moment means so much considering mm-hmm. everything that had to happen yeah. leading up to it Definitely. with them getting the plane like i mean it just for some reason i've seen that and again i've seen that movie in the drive-in with my parents when it, in 1977 like and i've seen it a billion yeah. times and then all of a sudden i'm looking at it differently going oh my god that act that it's like yeah i just i made it and instead of having this whole movie arc oh we beat the bad guy now it's like oh everything in rogue one meant something like it, it was just I don't know. That's, do you, what that's do you guys why, think? That's why Rogue One worked so well for me. Was it was it was a per, it was a good standalone as well. Right. Like it told a complete beginning, middle, and end story. But all the things that it did added so much more like weight to a New Hope. Like what you were saying with the the, the Death Star run. Yeah, it's like okay, they 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 had to get through so much to get to this point. And you think about it, look at it from Galen Erso's perspective, right? The man's been working for 13 years yeah. and he put a flaw in his system. He had no idea if anybody was ever going to be able to figure it out, but he had like a chance. There was just a little sliver of hope yeah. that, um, that it was going to work. And if you just look at it from, from that perspective, it's like, dang, there was a lot that happened yes. in order for this moment to work. Exactly. And it just makes yeah. it so much more, it makes it so much better. And that's why yeah, when, you, when you think about how many times along the way, it could have all fallen apart. Oh, it just yeah. makes it, it makes it, Oh yeah. You know, they, they brought the plans back to the death star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they were, yeah. they were aboard our, they were in R2 on the death star. It like the empire had it and they didn't even know it. And add on top of all of that, Luke wasn't even the one who was supposed to make that shot. Yeah. 
<laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. But that, be that, red leader. Well, that, that was that was just my point. Like it's like that his when he actually, oh, whew, it's just like wow, it just has such levity now. It's like it, more so than it did. It's strange. Well, let you me know, throw this to you then. It's a question I asked the guys over at Talk Star Wars, and I think they were split. Uh, but I th- also gave it to to Corey and James, and they they I think they kind of liked it. So let me ask you guys, uh, especially for those who read Catalyst. Uh, so Lyra was obviously a big Force follower, although she could not really um, use the Force. She could feel it. Uh, Galen is a man of science. Eh, take it or leave it uh, when it comes to the Force. So when he built this flaw, you know, and I think Rob at Talk Star Wars said, well, maybe they weren't considering it uh, you know, for, uh, as an attack that had to happen from space it could have been you, you can you can destroy this thing from inside the death star too but i you know i i wondered if some of lyra's um belief in the force had eventually rubbed off on galen and he built the flaw knowing that um only only someone attuned to the force could make that kind of shot that would destroy the death star i it's an interesting it's an interesting theory you know, but I don't. I I don't think he actually knew it was the exhaust port that goes to the the uh, reactor that blows it up because Pablo Hidalgo said something along the lines of Galen really only just made the flaw like made it so that if you get a shot in there, it'll blow up. Um, so I don't know if he was consciously thinking about that. It's interesting though. I do think some of Lyra's. I did. I did read Catalyst just to let you know. I do. I do think some of Lyra's belief in the Force does rub off on him by the end of it. You know. Um, yeah, I haven't read the novelization, but I think. In that he actually signs off on the exhaust port, but I don't think they actually make the connection that he knew that it was was by the exhaust port that they would actually blow up the reactor. I'm I'm just saying that because it's something I heard Pablo Hidalgo say on like a yeah. uh, episode of the Star Wars show or something like that. Yeah, what does he know? <laughs> <laughs> Look, either way, uh, I have to agree with Ash. Um, everything that they're doing right now is just making the whole saga better. They're tying yeah. up Usans, and um, it's just putting things into context that we can, like, you know, uh, put to bed and, and actually look forward uh, to what's coming up as opposed to all the crappy things that happened. We can we can stop complaining about the exhaust port after 30 years. Yes, it's about exactly. time. 30, 40. That 8-bit uh, little cartoon of... Um, uh, the, the plans, the plans, yeah. the, like that was classic. It was part of the charm of, of, of star Wars. But, um, I mean, if I had my way there, you know, I, I would love to go back and just redo those films, but yeah. well, I mean, and you know, I, I, you know what I can act. Like I said, I was actually at, watched it projected when the hype was going on but i was very very young but i was there and when that when the when the movie started and then uh, the star destroyer flies over overhead and it comes in the view like it was that movie was absolutely epic for its time it was mind-blowing empire was mind-blowing like with the with the adats and that and it, it was just it was unbelievable so I know it's it's very hokey looking back on it, and and again, the when George Lucas brushed them up before he came out with the prequels, that's completely fine too. Because now when you watch them, they make 
it's not so jarring when you watch Revenge of the Sith and you then you all of a sudden you watch New Hope. You know I mean, like it's I understand how wanting them be remade now, yeah, I can see it, but still there was really nothing wrong with them. It's you know, it was it was it was just as awesome to see that uh, New Hope, or sorry, just Star Wars as what it was called back then. It was just as awesome to see that in 1977 on the big screen as it was. We just watched Rogue One in 2016. It was just as awe-inspiring. You know I mean? actually, actually, one of my favorite things about Rogue One, I- I'm a big um, fan of production design. I make replica props and stuff like that, so I love... I, right. I just can't get enough. I just can't get enough of that stuff. One of my favorite things about Rogue One was how it looked kind of crappy in some parts, and just the, like how Darth <laughs> Vader's costume was not the the cool one you remember yeah. from Empire Strikes Back. It was the kind of crappy one from A New yep. Hope with the red lenses and the cheap looking cape. Like I loved that so much, um, just because I'm a nerd about that stuff. I think it's yeah, great. Or the Rebels' awkward helmet at the end. Of yes, that. <laughs> it's like yeah, what. Or that Those one guy on Yavin who's just pointing the thing, like <laughs> yeah. pointing the tracking thing. I'm like, what's your job, man? I don't know, but I really don't care. It's a nice callback. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but going back to your point of how they're fixing things, I think that a lot of this stuff is stuff that people like Pablo and Leland Chi and Matt Bart. I think it's stuff that these guys have been wanting to fix for a long time, and now they're finally getting the chance to go in and clean some of this stuff up. These guys have been thinking about this for like – 30, 40 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, like all of us, right? Yeah. yeah. So now they're actually, they have the opportunity to go in and fix these things like like the exhaust port and these little details that were kind of annoying before and now they're, you know, they're finally starting to make sense. Like, I, I, I always, I always tell myself, like, the best and the worst thing that ever happened to Star Wars was George Lucas <laughs> because he invented it, but he kind of, fumbled uh, his way through making them and they were like super flawed uh, well, he made a lot of stuff up as he went yeah, yeah. well look, look, look you were, we were talking about how the, the millennium falcon leaves the death star and um there's the two tie fighters coming after them and they shoot them down and don't don't be cocky kid yay we did it and then leia hugs chewbacca and and then two seconds later she's like they let us get away so why are you so happy that we did it <laughs> There's just yeah. so much awkwardness. It's hard to get behind, like, looking back now. Uh, but like I said, if we can just look back on those things fondly and look mm-hmm. forward to the kick-ass killer stuff that they're going to be making now, yeah. then I'm fine with it. I mean, honestly, I'm at the point where it's just like, I don't care. I don't care that stormtroopers can't shoot anything. I don't care. It's a fun space <laughs> fantasy movie. I'm not, I don't come to Star Wars for realism. No. Um, <laughs> I don't talk. I don't talk about Star Wars every week on on my show because you know it's of its gritty, realistic plot lines and deep, deep character moments. It's a silly, fun space opera that I I just love a lot. You know, yeah. um, so I and really if, don't. And that stuff really matters to me, really. Yeah, and if you've got any kind of creative brain at all, you can fix those things in your head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. That's all head canon. I yeah. mean, I grew up in the I grew up in the era of fan fiction, so like, yeah. it's just all that stuff is just yeah. fixed. Yeah. For me anyway, you know. Awesome. Okay, so, uh, okay, we're hitting on an hour here, pretty close. Uh, but um, if speaking of all that, the remakes and everything else, uh, Kyle, uh, when I was listening to Tumbling Saber, I think it was two ep- uh, your main show two episodes ago, you're talking about uh, viewing order. For, yeah, we talked about that recently. Yeah, so well, okay, I just, I I was listening to it and I was going <laughs> to ah, send you an, an, an MP3 or something or a voicemail, but I, I did. 
this is my official, just to end the show here, uh, just to get around, just to pass it around the table. The official viewing order for me is New Hope, Empire. You end off with Luke, or I'm your father, all this thing. Jump back, go Phantom Menace, Clone Wars, uh, Revenge of the Sith, and then w- once, because once you get the re- Vader reveal, it's like, oh my god, how did this happen? Oh, well, here's three movies. You watch the th- the prequel, and then boom, you come back and you watch Jedi. It, that's just for the first six. You can throw in the and other then ones. Then of Courage and so on and so on. <laughs> so where would you, so where would you throw the in the animated? Way. Where would you throw in the animated Clone Wars movie in that? Oh, that's technically after. A Star Wars movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, absolutely. But like I'm saying, for the original two trilogies. Go four, five, one, two, three, boom, end it with six. Like, if you're going to introduce it brand new to somebody, and then of course you throw on seven, and, and Rogue One would be too confusing somewhere. But anyway, well, uh, what, what that's, are your- that's actually. That's actually the the viewing order I I did when I showed my sister uh, Star Wars. We for some reason we grew up in the same house, but we never watched the same movies. Okay. So she ne- she had never seen Star Wars, and The Force Awakens was coming out, and I was in full hype mode. Uh, so I was like, okay, you're gonna watch Star Wars. So that was the that was the viewing order that we went through, and she, I think she got a lot out of it that way. Um, because I'd seen it on the internet or something, I'm like, I'm gonna try it because I can't experience it. Oh like yeah, this. you did, you did the you did the four five one two three six. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then when we watched it two days, we did it the two days before The Force Awakens came out. Oh, wow. So she got like the full the full Star Wars experience. And then we rewatched them when Rogue One came out because she became a Star Wars fan. <laughs> nice. Baptism so, of Star yeah. Wars. Kyle, yeah. what do you think of that order? Do you think that has any That's, validity to it or is it? Uh, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm. Yeah, I think it really does. Because you do, it, yeah. You, because I mean, let's face it: the originals existed on their own two feet, yeah. for forty years without the, or for for a long, long time without without the prequels, right? Um, so you don't necessarily have to go in order. My, when I was when I had that conversation with my my podcast mates, uh, Corey and James, it, I was coming at it more from the angle that why do us, you know, kids from the seventies and eighties, we why do we insist so much that we recreate? the same experience for our kids you know the things are different now but oh, why are we yeah. insisting wasn't, that wasn't it be Corey the same saying something about his kids gonna play two button mario or something or something <laughs> yeah, ridiculous no. like that and he, yeah he's gonna he, his kid's first cell phone is gonna be a pager and yeah it, it's, then he's gonna have the suitcase <laughs> battery phone <laughs> yeah exactly that's that is that's how i grew up though um my dad showed me indiana jones and star wars when i was a kid and we played 80s uh arcade games and listened to 80s music and stuff like that i'm firmly a millennial who's like stuck in the 80s <laughs> so well, yeah no I, but, but yeah i don't know if you've heard the episode Corey was reaching there he was talking about no his kids gotta play mario then he's gonna play sonic or something and i'm like where, where what no <laughs> I do distinctly remember my dad when I was six. My dad taking me to the Phantom Menace and then going hating it, and then going, "Okay, kid, you're gonna watch all of the original trilogy because I hadn't seen it at that point." Okay, he's like, "This oh, is you the saw good the Phantom Menace Wars. first." Oh. The Phantom Menace was my first Star Wars experience. <laughs> oh, I love the Phantom Menace. There you go. Oh boy, I like it too. Oh. I like the. Prequels. I love them all. I love the, prequels, the prequels. It's I, I've oh, you know, me too. Ten years ago, I, I, I had a, a different opinion of it uh, than what I do now. Like I, I've I've softened on it a whole lot in the yeah. last few years. Uh, Just like I, I said a minute ago, if you've got any kind of creative brain, you can fix the problems in your head. <laughs> yeah, well, and I the mean, things that bothered me. Yeah, but the problems in your head can be you can't fix bad acting. 
that's 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 the thing that sure you can i will for i will firmly admit that it the reason i like the prequels is because nostalgia goggles is because i grew up with that was that was my star wars i mean i'm i'm 21 but that that was firmly that being said as much as i okay i know there's lots of we we don't have time but we don't want to get into the divisiveness of the prequels yay or nay (laughs) but how many of us would love to see uh christian hayden's in 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 that back to tank <laughs> on Mustafar in Rogue One, like just absolutely. once, even a glimpse, I would have crapped my pants. It would have been so yep. awesome. Yep. Absolutely, I would sell my first. Just for this, just the sit for the sake of like visual consistency. Yes, exactly. You know, he should just look it. like Hayden Christensen. But yes. that's just why they make that out link. his face, right? So yeah, yeah. just to have given it. us that link to yep. say there, there is the prime actor from the prequels, exactly or the, the prime character from the prequels, and here you see him in original trilogy era. And that would have been. That would have went, you know, they say a, a picture is a thousand words. That would have been the definition yeah, of it. Yeah, and, and it would have been, I know Bail Organa kind of does that link, you mean? So it, it's that kind of, hey, hey, prequel lovers, but, we're not, we, for, we haven't same, forgot about you. But at the same time, does anybody really remember Bail Organa besides people like us? Because my yeah. sister had no, my sister thought Bail Organa and Galen Erso were the same person. She goes, oh. wait, why is her, why is her father in the control room? I'm like, that's not. Okay. All right. <laughs> right. Well, there was a lot of cut scenes from uh, from Revenge of the Sith uh, with um, Mon Mothma and uh, and Bail Organa sitting around uh, with uh, with Padme, right? Yeah, that's yeah. that's a really good scene. And it is I mean, a really good. I, I understand scene. why like, they cut it because the movie was already like two hours and twenty minutes. But man, I think that scene deserves to be in the movie. Yeah, but yeah I think it, they are regarding it as canon, though. Yes, yeah, I, I think so. so. It's, um, it's, it's the precursor to it's the rebellion starting right there. Like it's, it's, a, it's yeah. Star Wars. That's yeah. what and Star that's, Wars is. That's why it's been so good to see him and Mon Mothma in things like Lost Stars and um, right. Ahsoka and Star Wars Rebels. It's like it's just really cool to me yeah. to see all that stuff. And Rogue One, I lost my mind because I'm like one of the only people who can probably say they're a pretty big Bail Organa fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. He seems like a pretty good guy. He's I like him better on Low on Order. Yeah, I'm sorry you took it. Especially after Carlos Bloodline. stole the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> <laughs> after reading Bloodline and then hearing that I trust her with my life line in Rogue yeah. One, oh, rip my heart out. Yeah. Awesome. And it's like, and it's like, the, oh, you're going back to Alderaan to get blown up. That's sad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here we go. Um, uh, Nathan. Reminded your first question, what was it? Uh, Stormtroopers. Yes, what you, you're. You, we we've passed it around the table. We've successfully dissected that. Yes. Clone troopers, army, stormtroopers, military, uh, just police. Explained away. Yes. There we go. And uh, Carlos, your questions. Uh, the naming of the last Jedi. Every uh, your every everything answered to your satisfaction. I, I mean, not really, but uh, I think that's that's. <laughs> <laughs> that, it, it, no, but it, it, that, that's the, that's what makes the Star Wars question, the Star Wars universe tick, is the unanswered questions that will never be answered because they're in the ether somewhere, right. lost. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, I had a jolly old time talking about it. Yes, it has been really awesome. Okay, so uh, what we'll do, we'll uh, we'll pass around. Uh, we'll start off with Nathan. Um, where can everybody find you? Uh, do you have any? Do you have any projects of your own? You're you're doing or starting, or what do you? Or do you have anything online as far as podcasts? Or uh, my personal Twitter is at naf roberts. Um, 
and I am planning to, in the coming weeks, to release my own podcast called Luminous Beings. Uh, and the Twitter for that is at We Are Luminous. So you can uh, follow me there for updates on when we're going to be releasing the first episode. Um, so yeah, you can follow me there. I think that's it. I actually had a great idea this evening. Uh, I think I'm going to do a tox, uh, uh, sorry, an after dark side type type thing, um, and I'm going to call it crude matter. <laughs> nice, <laughs> luminous beings yeah. and crude matter. That's nice, great. that's perfect. Yeah, it just happened that's to work great. out, and I I love it. I love awesome. it. Awesome. So what, what is it? What's your, what's the premise behind this? Obviously, it's it's Star Wars related. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I, I know As a guy. Now, I know a guy at a, at a Star Wars network. He can talk to me after the show. There, we'll see what we can hook you up. <laughs> oh, I've been in, I've been in discussions. Oh, okay. uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's basically just me right right now. But I'm hoping that it can be a, a a sort of hub where I can get a bunch of other Star Wars podcasters to come on. You know, maybe one at a time, one maybe in groups. Who knows? Um, but where it can be a hub for Star Wars podcasters to kind of come and interact, whereas usually they're off relegated to their own shows. Yep. But it's kind of like what you're doing here. Well, yeah, like th- this one's more geared for the like, like I know, Carlos, you have your own show, but you're not on a Star Wars show. But I know you're a fan of the network and, and the same thing mm-hmm. as yourself, Nathan. Like this is yes we're spoiled like i get to oh i get to message ash and kyle and say hey you want to do a podcast so i get to podcast with other podcast hosts but we're kind of getting at the fans so maybe if you like with your it sounds like your show if you're just sitting down with ash and talking about what their show is like you mean like a one-on-one or host to host i think ash we're gonna have to schedule that by the way (laughs) Yeah, definitely. There <laughs> we go. Awesome. I will be on anybody's show, full disclosure. Like, you ask me to be on a show, I will definitely be on it. <laughs> and Kyle and, and Rob and everybody. Outstanding. You know? Okay, so that leads us to, uh, I, I'm trying to segue in there for uh, for Carlos. What, what what do you have going on? Uh, everything. Uh, let's see. Uh, you could uh, find me on Twitter at Music. That's C-C-A-N-D-I-D-O music. Uh, or at the thinking out loud, at the T O L podcast, the thinking out loud podcast. Uh, if you like my t-shirt, the rogue one t-shirt, you can get that at uh, teespring, uh, thinking out loud and, uh, have, uh, my music project going on. Can, uh, Carlos Candido music.com. Uh, just a bunch of stuff. Just follow me and, you know, just. Well, and, and let me say, uh, if you've listened to tumbling saber, if you stick around to the very end, you hear, uh, Carlos's awesome tunes at the end of the show, so uh, you get you get a taste of it there, and so yeah, you should definitely uh, check him out and support his next Kickstarter. There you go. <laughs> yeah, when when that comes around, I'm not sure yet, but uh, yeah. So thinking out loud podcast, uh, it's uh, it's pretty much a podcast network where I have uh, individual shows that uh, I talk about soccer and and the Montreal Canadiens, and uh, and then there's the the main show where I just. Like Rob uh, spoke to you know we spoke about it earlier. Yep. It's uh, just my you know sober or drunken ramblings. No, uh, I, <laughs> I listened to it today and it was fantastic. And and I can honestly speak from experience. It is unbelievably difficult to carry an entire show on your own without passing it off. Like that's it was it's it's fantastic. It's a skill that I've yet to acquire, but it's it's really good. Thanks. Thanks very much. 
Awesome. So, okay, now uh, this might be a moot point when this goes out to the VIPs because uh, this is a v- an early release to the VIPs and this will go on to the main feed on Talk Stores next month. But um, Ash and Kyle, we'll start off with Ash. Where, where can they find you? You can find... Um me, you can find me on Twitter at AirsatsAsh, which is E-R-S-A-T-Z-A-S-H. Uh, you can find me on the Skyhoppers podcast, which I co-host along with my uh, friend Ben, and that's uh, at SW Skyhoppers on Twitter. Um, and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher. We do we have a YouTube channel where I make like um, video essay type things. My co-host Ben does a Let's Play. Um, he's about to finish up Star Wars Dark Forces right now, and it's a it's been a pretty good time. Nice. Um, I'm also, I also just started another podcast as well, which is called The Disney Life, um, which you can find on Twitter at The Disney Life PC, where we literally just ramble on about Disney movies and everything Disney related. Um, and I, I just started that like last week. So there's oh. two episodes out, I believe. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, Man, you're busy. Yeah. I watch too much TV. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And uh, Kyle, where, where <laughs> tell the good folks where they can uh, find all your good stuff. Uh, I'm at uh, Tumbling Saber on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, TumblingSaber.com is the website. And uh, you can, I guess, find the show on iTunes and uh, Stitcher and all those wonderful places. And, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Got a couple of ideas rattling around in my head that uh, I hope to get out there sooner than later. I just don't know uh, what shape they're going to take just yet. But I'm, I'm working on that and got a bunch of things I want to do in 2017 with the show. And, um, of course, speaking to all Star Wars fans, the whole reason I started this thing up was just to uh, connect with Star Wars wherever Star Wars fans, wherever they may be, and, uh, and just uh, shoot the spit, as they say. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, well, um, anybody, if uh, they want to find myself, I am at Robert MMCast on the Twitters, and uh, you can. F- I have a weekly show. It's called the Roman Potting Cast, and it is not Star Wars related, and it is um, not for children, but it's not horrible. So, and, uh, yeah so yeah feel free to check that out uh we are on itunes and stitcher and all the other places and i also wanted to say thank you to mark and everybody at talk star wars this is really awesome for me for letting me play in their sandbox and to any other knights of the of the commonwealth uh, I've been getting lots of messages. If you have any interest in coming on the roundtable and sitting in with us, leave me a message on Twitter um, at Robert Cast, uh, Robert MM Cast on Twitter. Uh, direct message me, and we'll we'll try to set something up. And that's also as an invite to all the other hosts around the network. Uh, that includes uh, Generation X Wing and the Nerd Room and the Rogue Squadron podcast. And of course, you mean, if, if Ben wants to be on or I was thinking maybe we can get, uh, we can have a show later on with like Cody and Corey. We were talking about Kyle. That might have to be censored. <laughs> you know, like so, so maybe we'll have you might want to start that one like middle of the day before Corey gets like nine beers deep. Yeah. <laughs> I can I can tell you right now Ben would love to come on. Awesome. So yeah, so yeah, if anybody, um, and again I have been getting messages, so I am gonna get to everybody. And it's we're just we're the the hardest part is I think is is the time zones we're trying to get. I might record the next one on a Sunday. That way we can get a lot of people from the UK and the other side of the pond on with people on North America. So that way we can hop on in early afternoon type thing. And it's not because right now in the uk it's very very late or very very early in the morning so so before oh, we sign up, to... uh, so go ahead nathan 
Oh, I was just going to say, I'd love to get on with Keegan, but I don't know how in the hell that would work. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. <laughs> and, and again, uh, Connor and uh, and Ads, from they did a fantastic job, episode one. Like, we really put them on the hot seat. We had no idea where we're going with the mm-hmm. show. So it was like, and they they, they, did, they did an excellent job. Yeah, they job. carried the mail, man. They did a good job. Yeah. So it was, and also too, it's if once you're on the show, it doesn't mean it's going to be the last appearance. We may call on you again. So now we might have um, Nathan and Ads or Connor and Carlos or, you know, mm-hmm. like, as long as we go, we'll always, I'm sure we'll, we won't have any need for looking around for people on the show. <laughs> yeah. So, so that being said, like before we sign off, I just want to say uh, on behalf of everyone um, to you, Rob, that uh, this is an awesome initiative. And uh, we listened to uh, episode one uh, just uh, came out today for those who are not VIPs. Yep. And it was a, it was an awesome show. Uh, I want to congratulate you on that. And um, the only thing that was missing from our podcast today was an English accent. And, yes. uh, <laughs> and I just did a, D, um, sorry, the, uh, ancestry, uh, dot, uh, dot com thing. And I found out that I'm 20% British. So oh. cherry, cherry out. Cheer home. <laughs> God. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> hey, Rob, let me, let me thank you too for, for putting this whole thing together. It, like Carlos said, it is a wonderful initiative to get everybody, uh, from the Commonwealth together to chat, chat Star Wars and, and connect with each other. Uh, but I also want to say, don't sell yourself short. You, you and Roman, your podcast is absolutely hysterical. And the the show you put out today, although it's a, a short 16 minutes, that is a huge sell job, man. That was <laughs> the so dreaded funny. clip and show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was funny, man. That was like, if was anybody's great. looking at me from great. behind at work, like they'll just see my shoulders bouncing up and down because I'm laughing <laughs> in my desk silently. <laughs> Yeah, it was, we, it was funny. I, I have a couple of things on the top of my head. I can't say them again. It's not uh, we, we we're not lewd to the point like it's one of those. Hey, we're just a couple of Canadian guys. And the way I put it is, let's say if you're oh, sitting the at, worst. Yeah, let's say if you're sitting at <laughs> Tim Hortons having a coffee and you hear the conversation next to you. That's exactly what you're hearing, except you yeah. Know. <laughs> <laughs> and Carl, let's get at it. Journals of the Willing. Great episode this week. Oh, thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was good, man. Thanks so much. Awesome. So you know what? We're going to wrap it up there for now. And uh, again, to our co-hosts and our knights, thank you so much. Uh, I'm looking forward to having this episode two hit to the airways and uh, get ready next month for episode three. Until then, we'll uh, talk to you next time. Later. Later.